Over the last month or so, we have been focusing on the faithfulness of God. Remembering that God is constantly reaching out to us, constantly asking that question of, where are you? At its core, it's a reminder of God's love, really. It's, it's something that we're reminded of in the creation narrative and in the covenant that's established with Noah and Noah's family. It's the same sort of promise that, that made Sarah sit in this, this awkward place as she tried to respond to it between laughter and, and fear that we talked about last week. This morning, we're looking at another response to God's faithfulness, a response that some of us have sometimes. We're looking at the story of Jacob. Now, Jacob is the grandson of Sarah and Abraham. He's the son of Isaac and Rebekah. And when he's born, he comes out holding on to his twin brother Esau's foot. From the get-go, it's as if uh, Jacob and Esau, that they're at odds with one another. When the Apostle Paul quotes the passage that Pastor John read earlier from Genesis in his letter to the church in Rome. He's talking about God's sovereignty and he's telling the story of Israel and her people. And he writes, the older Esau will serve the younger Jacob. A statement that I'm sure sat as well with older siblings then as it does today. As the twins get older, the sibling rivalry, it just, it just grows in intensity. Esau, he loves hunting. He loved the great outdoors. We get the idea that he went on all kinds of adventures with his dad. Jacob was quiet. He was a mama's boy who convinced his older brother to trade his inheritance for a bowl of soup. And then later, at the behest of his mom, took his blessing as well. So, of course, Esau gets mad. Jacob runs. But before he flees, Isaac reminds Jacob of his identity, of who he is. He's Abraham's grandson, and that means something. He has an important place in the story of God's people. One day, he falls asleep in Beersheba using a rock as a pillow, and Jacob has this dream about a ladder that has angels going back up and down between heaven and earth, and he wakes up, and he uses the stone as an altar, calling the place Bethel, pouring anointing oil on it, turning uh, turning to, to prayer at the stone, and, and committing to tithing. All practices that later became a part of Israel's worship ritual, their life together. He marries Rachel and Leah, and, they, and, and, and their family it grows significantly in number. But it seems like from the minute Jacob is born, right away, when he comes out holding on to his brother's foot, he's wrestling with his place in the world. He's struggling with his identity. He's struggling with relationships, just his role in general. And whatever God was doing in the world, it just didn't make sense. His story reminds us that answering that where are you question isn't always easy. It doesn't always, it's not always as simple as God, here I am, ready, let's go, what's next? It's often messy. Figuring out where we fit is something that many of us wrestle with for years and years. And along the way, we tend to be changed by the struggle. Our second passage this morning, it picks up right as Jacob is trying to figure out how to reconcile with his brother, trying to mend their broken relationship. They were grown now. They had families of their own, and and it was time for Jacob to return home. So starting at Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. That same night, 
He got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. The Jabbok was a, a river that flows into the Jordan about 15 miles north of the Dead Sea. He took them and, and sent them across the stream, and likewise, everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and as Jacob was alone, a, a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob, he he asked the question, he said, please tell me your name. The man said, why? Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Penan, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a young boy, I I absolutely loved wrestling with my dad. Our playful grappling in the living room often turned into laughter, and I'm sure it contributed to some of the the strong bond that we continue to share today. Uh, As a boy, I dreamt of the day when I would be big enough to, to pin him, to actually win. And not in the sense where I knew he was letting me win, but actually have him pinned. As I got older, we joke about who the real alpha male in the family really was. And then the day came. I can't remember exactly how old I was. It was sometime in my high school years. Uh, We were wrestling. I I pinned him. I looked down at him underneath me. And after a few moments of of triumphant joy, it hit me. Our wrestling days were over. We had both grown. I wasn't the seven or eight-year-old kid anymore. Things had changed. I, I think about that moment when I wrestle with my kids Today, I know before long they won't ask me to pick them up and to, to throw them in the air. And, and I know that I won't be able to do that for very much longer without hurting myself either. We're not exactly sure what was going through Jacob's mind as he wrestled with, with this man that we're led to believe is, is God. We, we don't know what was going through his mind throughout the night. But it was a transformative moment. Both a, a culmination of the, the journey that he had been on his growth, and a sign of the life that was to come. His life, one that had largely been defined by by struggle and and trying to figure things out, would never be the same. Now, it's more than likely that none of us is going to wrestle with God in the exact same way that Jacob did. But at one point or another, we'll all wrestle with what God has for us. It might come as a result of 
wrestling through or deconstructing a belief that you grew up with from the church and that now you're not so sure about. It might come through questioning a relationship you have or once had or a role that you held in your family or at work or, or here at church. When we're honest with ourselves and with God, when we embrace that struggle, we, get, we begin to be shaped anew. It's what the Apostle Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians, with those who are in Christ becoming a new creation. This is an ongoing process of wrestling, an ongoing process of reformation, really. So Jacob comes to Jabbok and he wrestles with God. Those who read this story in Hebrew would notice a bit of wordplay from the author here. Jacob comes to Yebuk and wrestles the Hebrew word Yebek before receiving God's blessing. Right before he crosses the river with his family, right before that happens, earlier in the chapter, we read about Jacob's plan for reconciling with Esau, for trying to make things right. He comes up with this, this plan to divide his household, his community, into three groups. Each w- would approach Esau at a different time with the intent of bringing gifts to kind of soften up Esau before Jacob himself arrived. And as his community disperses and, and prepares to go and meet Esau, Jacob is left alone with his thoughts, with his fears. What if his plan didn't work? What if Esau is still mad? What if, what if he kills his family? What if Jacob is left with nothing? And it's at that point that he prays. He talks about his history, his identity, his struggles, saying that he's not worthy of the faith that God had shown him. A lot could be said about Jacob's life and, and his lifestyle. But there's also a lot we can learn from the way that he prays in Genesis 32, 9-12. It's a prayer that both shows reliance on God and resistance to fully accept what, what God has for us. We get the sense that he's at his wit's end. And as he throws his hand in the air, he finally gets honest. He finally is vulnerable. He asks himself the question, where am I? He takes an honest inventory. And it's at that point, when he's open, when he's alone, when he's vulnerable, that God shows up to wrestle. So one of my questions I'd I'd like for us to think about this morning is, is when was the last time you found yourself in a similar place? Where where we were just kind of done. Maybe you're there now. One of the lessons we learn from this story is that it's when we're in that space that God often shows up. The man comes to wrestle in the darkness of the night when Jacob was alone, vulnerable, in solitude, and they grapple all night long. Jacob had a lifetime of issues to work out. But God had a plan. Jacob asks for a blessing. The man asks for his name. Jacob replies, and the man says, you shall no longer be called Jacob. Instead, you should go by Israel because you've wrestled with God and humans and you've survived to tell the tale. In the truest sense of the word, Jacob is a survivor. 
And not just in this wrestling match here. His limp would remind him of God's faithfulness as well as his own limitations. And of all that he had been through his entire life, it was a reminder of his identity and his name change. His name change to Israel would remind God's people for generations that struggles are inevitable, that they would definitely come. And at times, those struggles would result in exile and what would feel like chaos. And even then, when they couldn't see the whole picture, when, when things seemed chaotic, God was still at work. We need to hear that same reminder today. As we struggle with how to follow Jesus in our own lives, as we wrestle with how to approach today's world as a church, may we remember that God is with us in the struggle. Amen.